in episode 317 of Arsenal Gothenburg podcast, which is in English, like you can you can hear on my language. Um, I'd like to take a moment right now to apologize to everyone for my, what I like to say, hmm, hmm, not that good, but not that bad English in this episode. Um, for those who listened before, uh, knows uh, my abilities in English, but I try my best, I try my best, so there, I said it. Um, so, new episode of Arsenal Gothenburg podcast, and you'll be like, what, this season hasn't started already, uh, what's going on here? And maybe you can see it like this, like I'm, Philip Tolf, is a raceless uh, person who loves to talk Arsenal, and uh, my summer holiday is uh, finished, so I need to have something else to do besides work. Uh, so I, j- I just do these episodes, podcast episodes, uh, and my plan is to do them, like, since I started working again, like, every week, like before, just to have something uh, to to do, to talk about. Um, so now you know, keep your eyes up for a new episode, I think, every Monday. Uh, there you go. So, in this episode, we have Andrew Allen known from Arsblog News and Arsblog, and um, he's been a guest on the podcast before on. We talk about Arsenal women, we talk about uh, their transfer window and their, their uh, game against Linköping in September. We talk about... Uh, we talk. We answer questions that you have sent of us to us on uh, Arsenal Gothenburg's Facebook page, which is Arsenal Göteborg Forum, and on Arsenal Gothenburg's Twitter, which is Arsenal GBG. Uh, and then we play the game Canon or Spurs with number 29. For those who know what it is, uh, you know what it is. For those who don't know what it is, you have Andrew Allen explain it later in this episode. I just have to say it's one of my favorite segments of the show, so stick around for that one. And then we answer more questions uh, related to timber, rice, we also talk about vacuum and plants. Uh, yes. And uh, and so forth. So um, before you carry on with the show, just some commercial for Arsenal Gothenburg. Uh, if you want to know more or become a member of Arsenal Gothenburg, you visit arsenalgotebody.se or you b- uh, visit our social media pages, uh, starting with Facebook, which is, I mentioned before, Arsenal Göteborg Forum, uh, and our Instagram and Twitter, which is Arsenal GBG. There you go. Look it up. Like, retweet, uh, comment, post, whatever. Uh, Really good. You can also see um, some pictures we talk about in the podcast on those social medias. Right. All right. Enough talking about from me. Uh, So I'm going to leave it there and leave it over to myself and Andrew Allen. Uh, Here we go. Yes, hello, 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 and welcome to Arsenal Gothenburg podcast, a podcast for Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans, to Arsenal fans, where emotions runs the show. My name is Philip Tolf, and um, welcome to this summer special episode, um, because I'm a raceless 
bastard who can't sit still and need to talk about Arsenal and everything every single day. With me today is my dear friend and uh, welcome back to the show, Andrew Allen. Hello. Hi there. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm really excited. I just took the liberty to call you my dear friend. I hope that's all right. Well, now that we've met each other and had a few beers, yeah. and I think maybe a tequila or two, I think we can say that, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, uh, it was a really good time. Thank you thank you very much for that. I had a, one of my greatest times in my whole life, to be fair. It was, um, yeah, it was an excellent mm -hmm. weekend. Um, you got to enjoy the final game of the season. Mm -hmm. Arsenal, absolutely. You know, hammered. Uh, I can't even remember who we played at this point. Wolves. Wolves. And, yep. um, yeah. And then there was the yeah. It was just a really good afternoon and a good following day and all the rest of it. There was the ask cast as well, wasn't there? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. It was great. It was great, great. Great stuff. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, how about you? How's the summer treating you so far? Yeah. All right. Um, exciting, really. But I mean, I I said after the season ended that I was really looking forward to a break. And then I promptly went to Budapest to watch the Europa League final on a TV because A, Arsenal weren't there and B, I didn't have a ticket to the uh, stadium. But that was the reason why I'd booked it because I thought Arsenal might be there. Um, then I chilled out a bit and now I'm suddenly like, you know, chomping at the bit, ready for the season to start again. Really curious to see, you know, how these potential and, and confirmed new players are, are going to settle in, you know, and, you know, the players come back to training soon and then they'll be off on pre-season playing friendlies and suddenly, you know, another season comes around and we yeah. go again. Speaking about that, how are you, you know, with silly season and pre-season and so forth? Because myself, I tell myself every, every single summer, like, I won't be drawn into this. I won't be drawn into this. Three days later, I'm out scrolling Twitter and reading every rumor there is. Uh, how about you? I mean, I guess it's uh, it's part of the job for me in that yeah, of we have to cover all of the main news stories. But I guess the big thing is I'm aware of all the rumors and I'm aware of all the chat and I see all the stories, some more you know dodgy than others. But I have to just sift through all of that and kind of do a bit of a... Uh, yeah, a quality control check before anything makes it onto to Ask Blog. But you know, we had uh, we had a bit of a tip off about Kai Havertz mm -hmm. when that rumor first circulated, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Declan Rice stuff. I've been relatively relaxed about it. I think I tweeted the day that they suddenly said that Manchester City were in for him that you know, 90% of these, you know, last minute late interest that comes in, you know, usually, you know, ends up in nothing. Yeah. So I think with that situation in particular, you're kind of seeing the the importance of doing all the due diligence way in advance. And I think Arsenal and Arteta were talking to the player so, so long ago mm -hmm. and had outlined everything that, you know, they really felt like they did all the legwork early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's been interesting. I mean, obviously there's a couple of names that have come out of nowhere as well. And, um, who knows what else might happen? And it's not just, you know, uh, the men, you know, I think the mm -hmm. women are going to, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're on the verge of making a big announcement as well, possibly even while we're recording. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting times for the club. And, you know, we've, we've acted decisively. I try not to ask too many questions about where the money's coming from. Um, la, 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 don't know anything. La, 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 la. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it seems almost unbelievable that Arsenal are in a position to spend £105 million on a single player yes. when you consider even, you know, a decade ago, 
you know, paying forty odd million for Mesut Özil was mm-hmm. a was was a crazy increase on the existing transfer record. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting times, interesting and exciting. It really is, and I have on my talking schedule, or what it what is it called in English, um, a little segment about Arsenal women. So we might just go there uh, at once. Uh, they're sure. doing a great, yeah, yeah. great window so far. Uh, like you said, they have this um, striker from uh, Manchester United, Rosso. A lot of rumors. Is it going to be announced today? Uh, definitely. De- it's definitely going to be a- announced today. It's, it's, it's going to be... I, I, look, I think it's going to be today. Mm. But if it doesn't happen today, then um, we can. Uh, you can blame me on another occasion. Uh, but that's me just basing that off what I've seen in the Arsblog news drafts. So it's not my knowledge. It's, uh, it's coming from someone else on the team. I think you can guess who. Um, <laughs> who? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I mean there's always a lot of turnover with the women's uh, team because the contracts are much shorter obviously and a lot of them just kind of you know stay to the end of those contracts and then move on and um, Arsenal of course have had so many terrible injuries in the last um, six months one year Mm. uh, that the knock-on effect of that is that they can't really afford to wait for some of those players just to come back because if they do it's possible that you know the season could be gone before they're back. So they're having to act decisively, go big. Obviously there was, um, there's a lot of excitement around Arsenal women. I think the run to the Champions League semi-final and the fact that they managed to get 60,000 fans into the stadium really kind of underlined that, um, the club are taking it seriously and the fans are too. And I feel like they kind of want to match the statement they're making with Declan Rice Mm -hmm. by making a kind of big statement signing in the women's team as well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Rousseau situation, one way or another, has to be resolved pretty quickly because she's having a little bit of time off before she goes to the World Cup, which is like you know a couple of weeks' time or something, isn't it? So they've got a few days off here, and I think they they want to try and get it resolved now. So um, yeah, I mean she'd definitely bring a level of ruthlessness, I think, up front that maybe Arsenal have been lacking in the absence of Viv Miedemar. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's exciting. Again, exciting everywhere. Exciting everywhere. Yeah. And um, one more thing about Russo. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't Arsenal go really big on her this uh, winter, like a record fee for in women's uh, football? United turned it yeah. down, and now six months later, she's gone for free. Well, I mean, I guess yes. I mean, it was. A, I think the bid was something around the half million pound mark, right? But when you're Manchester United that's kind of a pittance. So mm. you can afford to say no to, even if it is a kind of club record fee for a, a women's player. Um, but yeah, obviously Arsenal have saved themselves that half million quid that can now pay for True. like, you know, one yeah. week's wages for, for, for Declan and for Kai Havertz. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the ridiculous thing when you start to kind of compare the, the money that's being spent and being thrown around, um, you know, half a million pounds goes nowhere in the men's game. Half a million pounds in, in the women's gets you potentially the best player. Well, in that occasion, it didn't in all. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 yeah. I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how transfer fees develop over the next few years mm-hmm. in the women's game. Um, I don't. I think you know. Obviously, they've got something like you know, fifty or sixty years worth of transfer fees to catch up on because. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, yeah, weren't yeah. able to to do any of that in the women's game for a long time so yeah yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it's interesting to see the money starting to wash around and you can see with the sponsors and everything mm-hmm. there's a lot more money a lot more tv coverage in england now um i think it's going to be 
Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious to watch the World Cup, but obviously the timing of it being in Australia and New mm. Zealand isn't ideal for people on our side of the world. Um, be quite early starts, and I think for a lot of people, uh, they probably won't do the usual buy-in until a little bit later in the tournament yeah. when it's sort of knockout stages and stuff. But I imagine England will fancy their chances of getting through the group stage without too much problem, whether there's people watching back home or not. And Sweden as well. And Sweden, <laughs> and as, Sweden well. as well. And speaking about Sweden yes. and exciting times, it's not just uh, Alicia Russo. Uh, Arsenal women bought another Swedish player in uh, Amanda Illestet. I was going to say, you need to help yeah. me with the pronunciation there. No worries, mate. Uh, Illestet. Illestet. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, Arsenal kind of collected a lot of blonde-haired people mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Uh, on the women's team, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to uh, to <laughs> pick them all out on the on the pitch. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, another one. She's scored what, like eight goals in sixty-four appearances for Sweden or something, and um, seems to be a pretty experienced player as well. So, um, yeah, there's a very good article by um, Tim Stillman mm. on Arsenal News, just outlining and profiling what she's what she's all about. But, you know, Tim does these incredible pieces and, you know, they're all stats led these days. Um, lots of video stuff. And I genuinely have no idea where he finds the time to do all of this, do all of the stuff that he does with Ars- Arsenal Vision and then um, holds down an actual job as well. It's quite impressive. And that's the thing. You have to, you know, give Tim Stillman my biggest, what do you say, my biggest uh, applause, my biggest regard. Because I have wondered the same thing. You know, he does does two podcasts, uh, has a family, has a daytime job, so to speak. It goes to all of the games, women, men, away and home. Like, how many hours does he have on his... Uh, it somehow you know stretches I mean? 24 hours to, yeah, to, yeah. to sort of last 30 or 40, it seems. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, it really. He's, is. Um, He's a legend. You know, I, yeah, I've known Tim a long, long time. I'm just really, really happy to see how he's managed to take his love for the women's game and run with it and turn it into something which is to be honest bigger than bigger than what he does on Ask Blog News yeah. I mean he's a he's a you know a real advocate uh, 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 a, a higher level than than just sort of a, a small time blog like us <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself <coughs> um, yeah and speaking about Arsenal women away game the biggest news to be excited about as a Swede uh, have you heard that Arsenal women are coming to Sweden to play the Champions League uh, qualifier? Yeah, is yeah. It, and it's sort of like two rounds of the qualifier, mm-hmm. is it? And one of those um, is in Sweden, is confirmed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to be um, that's going to be great fun, isn't it? Are yeah. you guys all going to go down in in big numbers? Uh, Whereabouts in Sweden uh, is it? Uh, it's it's a town called Linköping. Uh, it's um. Uh, what do you call it? It's a student town, so to speak. So, like in the summer, like it's a ghost town, but during the semesters right. and you know when the universities yeah, yeah, is yeah, open, yeah, sure. it's crowded, uh, really, really crowded. Um, but from Gothenburg, where I live, it's I don't know. Maybe I should look this up before I rent a minibus. Um. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's exciting though. I mean it's always nice for Arsenal to to make it to a country where there's a big following, and yeah. obviously I know that there is in uh, in Sweden. Yeah, really big. Uh, this is what I used to call good podcast material, where <laughs> all the listeners like get to live. Uh, it's all right. I'm bringing it up on a map myself now at this point. Uh... Okay, so it's actually. Um... I just. Three hours and forty-five minutes or so. 
Not that bad. Okay. So is it kind of just out? Is, is it kind of? Uh, no, yeah. sorry. Three hours and four it's not minutes. Not that far. Not not that far. And it seems like I'm looking at the the Google Map now. Mm -hmm. It's basically one road between yep. Gothenburg and Linköping. Uh, sorry, Andrew. Linköping. Linköping. <laughs> you'll be you'll be talking fluent Swedish when we are ready with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when we're done with this. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One. Yeah, one road just all the way, uh, three hours. Yeah. Le let's do good. this. It's basically halfway between Stockholm and Gothenburg, yes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. Um, all right. Well, I'll see you there. Are you going? <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. You and Tim Stillman are going. We meet there. I'll buy you all beers sure and have a lot. good I can time. Tell you, I can tell you right now that Tim will definitely be there. Uh, whether or not Great. I can get the holiday from work, well, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let you know. So... Like we said before earlier, really, really exciting times for uh, Arsenal women going forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite a. They've had quite a tough draw to get into the the Champions League mm -hmm. um, main stages, but they'll be if they can get through that and then start strongly in the league, and then get some of their players back. I think they'll really fancy their chances of um, you know challenging for the title. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were really unlucky last year with the injuries. I mean, I know it's been talked about a lot, but at the beginning of the season, they were just untouchable, right? I mean, yeah. nobody could get near them. You know, there was that incredible win away at Lyon as well, which was like a proper statement about mm -hmm. where they stood. And then when you look at what happened in the, the final and how kind of, you know, relatively close that Wolfsburg um, mm. ran Barcelona, you know, that maybe that gap on Barcelona that they've kind of really consolidated in the last few years is, is kind of closing a little bit. So, yeah, I think it would be interesting. I know that they're pretty certain that the the, the, uh, the season tickets for the Arsenal women at Boreham Wood will um, sell out almost immediately if they haven't done already. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the club have got five games, I think, lined up already in the league mm -hmm. at Emirates. And then there'll be the Champions League games as well if they get to the kind of um, to the bigger games, maybe the bigger group games and the bigger... Um, uh, knockout stage stuff so yeah look I think it's I, I was talking to someone the other day and I said more than anything when you can't get tickets to go to watch the men right now the women's game is becoming more and more of a kind of gateway for new fans yeah. and younger fans to actually go and visit like the main facilities so like Emirates Stadium and obviously Vinay Venkateshan the CEO said last year that if it's possible at some point in the future, he'd love for all of the women's games to take place at Emirates Stadium. Yes, yes. Um, which is a huge statement of intent. I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be quite difficult to pull that off because of the scheduling and the moving of games from, you know, for TV when it comes to the men's stuff. It's quite hard to kind of predict when you can kind of commit to fixtures being in the calendar. But mm -hmm. if they're if they're looking at it, it's it's sort of it definitely says something about the direction of travel. Um, there was rumours I was hearing the other day that the women are going to have, a, you know, an away kit almost all of their own. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I saw that. I saw that. Don't know how much truth there is in that, but um, yeah, I mean that again is, um, you know, that if they can start merchandising and sponsoring themselves, they've had a few kind of high-profile sponsors come in um, that are just focused on the women's side of things. Yeah. If that money can then be guaranteed and funneled into their side of the, the business, so to speak. It's only going to strengthen them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. Exciting times. Um, so, moving forward, um, when we, I asked you if you want to come on uh, as a guest on this podcast, 
uh, I asked you also if we can do some questions. And you said, yeah, sure, why not? Um, so, I thought we're going to do some of those questions. Because the thing is, most of those questions, I just have uh, going to have a second look, are about Kai Havertz and transfers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think... We do some of the questions, and then when we're moving on towards Kai Havertz and you know transfers um, yep. as a topic, we do some of the some of those questions, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Absolutely, great, great. great. Uh, one of the first questions that we got is from our common friend and my podcast colleague Oscar Axelson, who said things got better, like Andres said. But how much better will it get next season? Yeah, I mean, it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, look, when you watch Manchester City win all three major tournaments that they entered this season, it's very hard to say Arsenal are going to definitively win a trophy this season. Um, but you'd have to say that they're going to have their eye on something, whether it's the FA Cup, the league... Um, you know the aim for arsenal really is to to start well to 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 build on what they were doing last year to maintain that kind of connection with the supporters um to get out of the group stages of the champions league and pr and prove that they can kind of mix it on that higher level mm. and um yeah i mean it's really difficult to say about trophies i wouldn't commit to saying it's going to get better and arsenal are going to win trophies but i would say that Arsenal have the opportunity now to consolidate themselves as one of the two, three biggest teams in the country. And off the platform of the Premier League being very, very strong, mm -hmm. that means challenging potentially in a season or two for, for big European honours. I don't think Arsenal are going to be winning the Champions League next season. Uh, I think. So what you're saying is that... Arsenal is shit and never will, will win a trophy again? <laughs> No, I'm saying no. we have to wait for Manchester City to be relegated because of all of the cheating that they've done. Oh, yeah, And yeah, yeah. then we'll be there to step in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it sounds better in my ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, a, seri but a serious, yeah. serious follow-up question uh, from me. How long do you think, like, looking back, the, uh, looking back last season and the season before, it was all about, you know, Mikarteta's army and the um, unity and uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But for how long do you think fans um how do I put this? For how long do you think that is enough for fans uh, without winning something? Um do do you get my point? Do you get my question? Yeah, of course. Yeah. The Arsenal are on an upwards trajectory and at the moment everybody's enjoying the fact that we're moving in, you know, an upwards direction. We're getting closer to being one of the best teams. We're competing in the transfer market for the best players. You're basically asking what happens if we plateau out mm. and then don't win anything? Do people still feel the same level of you know, enjoyment and all the rest of it? And I think for sure there's going to be a slight change in the atmosphere because expectations have risen. And I think people will be a bit more grouchy. They'll be a bit more, you know, you know, expecting Arsenal to roll over some of the easier teams. And I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. I think they'll expect us to beat some of the big teams when a few years ago we were getting tonked by all of them. And mm. sometimes that won't happen. You know, th these teams, I'm looking at Liverpool in particular, and I'm thinking they're not going to have as bad a season as they had no, last year. No. You know, I think mm. Klopp's kind of uh, reviving things. Manchester United will have another season under their belt with um, Eric Ten Hag, and they'll strengthen in a couple of areas. I think 
there's a fairly high chance that Spurs won't be as bad as they will they always be shit. Yeah, what well, was <laughs> that's true, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if Kane goes and yeah. Bayern Munich really push for him. Uh, obviously, Chelsea, you know, were absolutely terrible last year. Don't have any European football to um, worry about, and they have Pochettino now, who'll be trying to mould something serious. Mm. So, look, I think it's going to be uh, competitive. It always is. Arsenal can just focus, just need to focus on themselves. Mm. And right now, Arteta said in you know the end of last season, Arsenal need to nail the transfer market. Yeah. And as things stand, from what we can tell out on the outside, if we get Declan Rice, that's a first choice target beaten mm-hmm. off Manchester City to get it, right? I think Kai Havertz was a little bit more uh, opportunistic. Mm-hmm. They heard that he was available. They liked his profile. Mm. They thought, let's go for it. I think the Timber one is really interesting. I mean, I know that we'll get to some of this as well, but mm-hmm. like Timber's really interesting because he's obviously like the type of player that we wanted, uh, not so well known. And um, and then I think whatever else happens will be, you know, dependent on, on who leaves. Mm. Um, but they had a clear plan and they're trying to execute it. And the fact that they're trying to do all of this before the players even get back for pre-season... That suggests to me they want to hit the ground running again. That suggests to me that um, you know, even though there was a lot of disappointment last season, he's you know, Arteta is just like super, super yeah. motivated to to kick on. And that's the thing about this transfer. You know, you can see Arsenal's plan. You can see Arsenal are serious. They're doing the business right away, like like Bayern Munich always do. You know, the first two yeah. weeks they have all the transfers done, and like we're done. You you rest of your yeah. clubs go ahead because we are done. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. to get them into preseason, get them serious, get them all, um, and then maybe later in the win in the window, see if something pops up. But I really like this um, attitude. Like, get the business you want done done as early as possible to get them in early and into preseason and uh, and everything. Yeah, and look, I mean, last year we completed a couple of the biggest deals, didn't we, just while we were... Well, the Zinchenko deal was completed while we were on tour, but, you know, Jesus had already scored against uh, Nuremberg and mm. had been on that part of the tour. So, yeah, getting stuff done early and getting it so that you've got time to bed in, really, really important. Yeah. Really, really important. And then we can focus on trying to make some money back. Yeah, 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 uh, definitely. Um, speaking about that... Uh, no, I thought I have a questions about outgoings. Uh, I didn't. So we save that topic for later. But I do have a question about next season. Um, uh, another question about next season from Niklas Lindén. For those who listen to this podcast, know he's a part of the um, what do you call it, old man's panel. Uh, never mind that. <laughs> he, he says, "What should be, um, what should change?" Um, next season to not you know f- to not fade out in the end like we did the two seasons before you know we heading for fourth we finish five fifth uh we're heading for uh, first we finish second uh you need to go strong all the way to um to, you know get through in the end basically yeah yeah so what need to change uh, I think more squad depth, obviously. Wait, wait, um, wait. I just get Mikel Arteta on the line so he can get this <laughs> and, uh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I mean, he, he, we definitely need to have more players that Mikel Arteta trusts mm-hmm. across the team, right? I think um, that's that's absolutely important. And Arteta himself needs to be a little bit more aware of the need to 
trust and rotate some players earlier in the season so you don't have this build-up of key players all having, you know, three and a half thousand minutes going into the final third. Um, so it's 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 a little bit incumbent on Arteta to maybe change his ways, bring in players who uh, are capable of stepping in, having basically two or three people in every position that can do the job, right? That's one thing. Um, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of a, a, a look at the, the at the, the fitness side of things. You mm-hmm. know, how do you load players? Um, last year was slightly awkward because you had that World Cup in the middle of it. Mm. And I think that was a, a, a difficult one to manage. But you have to, you know, Bakayo Saka, for example, by the time he... Uh, came into the final few weeks of the season, had, had had played every game for England as well, come straight back and gone straight into the team pretty much. Um, and I, he, he definitely looked a little bit fatigued. But then you saw him the other day playing for England um, in the Nations League after he'd had a, a couple of weeks break and he just looked so refreshed and ready to go. Explosive, um, it looked explosive. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I think you know these two things are tied together. The the, yeah, the, course, the, yeah. the rotation and the fitness stuff, right? It's you have to just be keeping close eye on that. I understood why Mikel Arteta didn't want to change the um, the lineup. I mean, the lineup for much of the season was 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 winning. Mm-hmm. The other thing is just luck, right? Like I, it was it was such a terrible first forty five minutes against Sporting Lisbon to lose mm-hmm. two players in Saliba and Tomiyasu. And ultimately, losing two players in effectively the same position really, really hampered us because the guys behind weren't up to the same level. Um, can you? What can you do about that? You mm. need a bit of luck. Yeah. You do need a bit of luck sometimes, you know. Um, but you know those those injuries in particular, it seems, were were kind of impact injuries in terms of you know Saliba had a hard fall possibly in the game before. Um, against Fulham and then you know slipping in the turf as mm. as Tommy Asu yeah. did, I mean that's not great. But no, no, no. And um, it's funny you mentioned luck. If I just started to cut across you, um, because I get the feeling of pundits and so far and uh, so forth that luck does doesn't exist. If you know, do you know what I mean? Like when they analyze and talk about stuff like they never ever never ever mention luck. And luck is, you know, maybe something you you shouldn't mention because who pays money to listen to someone talk about luck? But yeah. it's a, it's a big part of it. You, do you know what I mean? Like pundits and experts they never ever talk they never mention luck like it doesn't exist. But the good teams it's, I don't yeah. know how to put this because like we have this common saying in Swedish like who who, who is um, like what's the what's the saying again it's like the more you practice the more luck you get and I think it's yeah, something okay. in that yeah. but yeah. you need to have a bit of a luck as well like I don't think that Tomiyasu and Saliba was bad at training and therefore they got injured in, in the same game do you know what I mean hmm. No, I mean, I, I, I think the thing with luck is that it's just completely unquantifiable, and we now live in a world where data is king, right? That's and, the thing. You know, exactly. Yeah. Kind of turn to data, and they analyze every performance, and they try and turn it into something which makes sense. But sometimes football and the way the ball bounces off someone, or you know, a split second moment where someone feels an injury and goes down, and someone else is running through and got. I mean, there's just it's it, for all of the trying to rationalize sport and football in particular 
sometimes you just can't mm. like you just don't know why some players do what they do in the moment right you yeah. know some guy decides to try and clear the ball and he slices it into his own net um, you know it's yeah. not like he's trained that move or you know tried to do that deliberately sometimes these things happen so yeah look i know luck sounds a bit like a cop-out answer but it's kind of just the cherry on top of the squad rotation mm-hmm. the squad depth and um and then you just keep your fingers crossed and hope that all the ingredients come together for you Maybe Scott Willis should do one of his radar, you know, uh, with luck. Yeah. <laughs> How lucky is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we could. I, I think there's always been room in the market for like a sort of cheeky uh, Twitter or other social media account that kind of does something like that, which kind of nods towards the data world, but also kind of just completely makes stuff up and like you know, just pulls figures out of nowhere and quantifies things that can't be quantified and all the rest of it. I think I think there'd be a really good parody account there. But I'll leave that to someone else because I haven't got the time. Hmm. Who sits on his ass a lot and has a lot of time? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Sounds like someone I know. Uh, but all right, maybe for another day. Um, are you ready for another question? I am ready for another question. Speaking yeah. about something t- entire else... Uh, it's a question from Twitter from Jonathan Ragnarsson at Benny Blanco Sui. Uh, who is your favorite player and why is it Benny Blanco? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I do like Ben White. Who doesn't? Uh, who doesn't? He's a, he's a very funny shithouse of a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't actually think that Ben White is my, my favorite. Um, <gasps> I mean, I, I like him, but he doesn't go out of his way to try and make me like him. He doesn't yeah. really care if anyone likes him. That's the beauty of Ben White, right? Nobody Fair. needs to like Ben White. Yeah. He likes himself. His his new wife likes him. Definitely seems to. And um yeah, I I, I honestly it's very it's really easy for me to say Bakaya Saka, but mm. I'm going to say Martin Erdegaard. Ooh, yeah. Um I just um there was something about him when he came into the team and I looked at him and I thought if we can just tweak a couple of things in his game he is going to be super, super special. And like when you see a guy who's played the game for as long as he had and he's not quite fulfilled his potential to then come to Arsenal. And I just like, I loved watching him last season. There were moments in games where he just was running things. Like, you know, he was the the orchestrator. He was the the guy conducting everything. And um, he's just very elegant and graceful on the ball. He uh, can find space. He has incredible scanning ability. He's, you know, always looking for the next pass. And I think, you know, he's realised now that if he gets into the right parts of the box, that he has the technique to to finish moves. So, you know, those two goals against uh, Chelsea, for example, mm, where he took yeah. the first time, the Newcastle goal, the Spurs goal, that kind of like looking up going, what are my options? You know what? I back myself and I'm just going to ping one from 30 yards and see what happens. And... Uh, I just think he's he's got the potential to really be a superstar for Arsenal over the next few years. I'm so glad that he now gets a proper chance to go mm-hmm. and play some Champions League football mm. yeah. because I think Europe's going to be really interested. And then I think when you look at the fee we paid for him in a few years' time, people are going to be like, yeah, Arsenal did good business there. They'll look at that in the same way that they might look at, you know, Arsenal buying Patrick Vieira mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that, you know, like a like a bargain buy. Yeah, definitely. Um, even though it was a lot of money, but yeah. it's but you know compared to what player he really is, because I still till this 
point believe that you know the first half of the last season before the World Cup, he was the best player in the entire league. Yeah, he yeah he, he was uh, unplayable. He was so good, and I f- I think the way he like tweeters the ball, the way he sees the game, and the thing is, it doesn't even look like he's um, like he's trying that hard. He just go out there and doing his thing, and you know la 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 la. la. Um, yeah, yeah. I, he's he, um. He's he's just um he's one of those guys. Arsenal used to collect them, right? Mm-hmm. The Rosicas or uh, Fabregas, you know these kind of creative guys. But they were also they wanted to put the hard work in, and that's the thing with him is like you watch him and the way that he marshals the other players on the pitch. Like mm. he's not a big talker, like not the type of person who, when the game ends, wants to go and shout down the cameras and talk to everyone. But when he's on the pitch, he's vocal enough. He's directing people. He's very much like. Arteta's eyes and ears on the pitch and I love when he gets into the game because he's pushing everyone to do the high press he's you know throwing his arms around he'll turn to the crowd sometimes when he knows it's a vital moment to get them going you know and having that kind of ability to you know know when to do that type of stuff is actually like you know again it's like football intelligence right Mm -hmm. when to manipulate the crowd to your favor and um yeah, I, I, I think uh, he was uh, very unlucky to come up against old Erling Haaland this year mm. for all of the major yeah. awards yeah. because, you know, he's come, uh, what, second in the football writers and second in the uh, PFA ones, or it might have been third, I can't remember which one because Bakaya was there as well, right? But they, uh, between them, they're just just brilliant. But to be fair, uh, Erdegaard was the, what do you say, um, he was the first human on the... Um... On the, on the spots because Haaland yes, is a robot exactly, so he shouldn't yeah. count you know what I mean no, no robots allowed <laughs> yeah no but somehow he still he still played this game Haaland and I can't like everyone sees he's a robot but still he's out there he's out there <laughs> like when everyone no. uh, every other player you know is stinking with sweat you know they're sweating he's stinking with oil yeah I know I know man but what I can know. you do what can you do at some point, he'll be playing in the, the championship, though, because Manchester City will get relegated. So yeah. that will be interesting to watch. True, 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 true. <laughs> uh, all right, next question. Uh, also from Twitter, from Yesin Sirak, at J, J underscore Essin. And I think he's, uh, yeah, he's referring to Rice. Uh, the question is uh, like this. How much do you read into family life? How important factor is it for a player? For example, Rice arguments of staying in the same town. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, these these uh, these things always play into the decisions why anyone takes a, a job, right? Mm. I mean, if someone said to me, "You can go and do your your dream job, but you have to move to." I don't know Saudi Arabia or something. Yeah, yeah, or Saudi, you know, wherever, like somewhere where you di- you didn't necessarily feel comfortable. Your you know your family weren't gonna feel comfortable, and you had to up you know upset everybody and and do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think those things play a part. Um, I mean, Rice is obviously he started his career at Chelsea, mm-hmm. moved to West Ham, um, and then Arsenal. I mean, it, it's. I can see why you'd be attracted to not moving to another part of the country. At the same time, it's not like England's huge, right? So moving to Manchester, I'm sure he could have lived with it. I don't think that it was just a simple case of he wanted to stay in London. I think maybe there was an element of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, if if Arsenal weren't in for him and it was Manchester United or Manchester City, I'm sure that he would have left West Ham and, and moved to one of those two clubs, yeah. right? Um, but I do think, 
in general, it's important for players' families to be happy and to provide an environment for the players to to themselves thrive in. Because, you know, there's been some suggestion that maybe Granit Xhaka's wife is the one who wants to mm. to, to move back to Germany and yeah. be closer to her family. And I, I think when you've spent seven years away at a point in your life where you've had two young kids, uh, you can kind of understand that. And so can Granit Xhaka. And he probably thought to himself, well, you know, I've achieved a lot here now. I've mm. managed to come full circle. I've turned things around. People at Arsenal like me. Uh, maybe it's time to think about what my wife wants. And it's not like he's got a bad project in no, going to work no, with Xavi no. Alonso anyway. So um, interestingly, this afternoon, it sounds as though the fee that was originally quoted, which was 13 million, mm-hmm. appears to be now moving closer to 25 million euros, which is almost double. Um, oh. So it's starting to sound like we've got a much better deal there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And that starts to kind of... Uh, Do you know what? Maybe yeah. Shaka's wife paid a, paid a difference, you know. I need to get out of this town. <laughs> Here, take it. Take all my money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I was surprised when I heard 13 million at first because you thought there's a 30-year-old player who's come off the back of his best season in English football. Yeah. He's the type of guy who could play another three, four years, I reckon, at least, the type of football that he plays. And... Um, yeah, I mean, that figure suddenly makes a lot more sense. And also, you know, you start to realise it gives us a little bit, probably gave us a little bit more leeway to start, um, you know, paying a bit extra for Declan Rice and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because Declan Rice is not going to be cheap. But more about that later. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, we have a couple of more questions, but they are about Kai Havertz and mostly Declan Rice. So I think we put them on hold and uh, do a little funny segment called Cannon or Spurs. Um, and I th- I n- we talked about this before I hit record. We have done this before, haven't we, Andrew? Played Cannon or Spurs? Yeah. yeah. My boy uh, Martin Erdegaard, when he moved, I think we uh, we had a good discussion about number eights. So I'm going to ask you a favor to go through the you know playing rules to our listeners. Do you feel comfortable okay. to do that? Do you remember them? So... We are going to go through every single player who has had Kai Havertz's number 29 squad number. And I am going to allot to them either a cannon, which represents they've had a great time at the Emirates or Highbury, or Spurs, which suggests that they are probably shit. Mm -hmm. Is that basically sum it up? Yeah, perfect. And I'm going to do this as well. So uh, the funny part is if we disagree, like uh, I give a, a player cannon and you give him spurs and we're going to be uh, arch enemies and never talk again. Fair. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> done. <laughs> done. <laughs> um, and the thing, I have this on transfer marked right now, all the players who have worn number 29 in Arsenal. And the first player is, according to transfer marked, uh, Steven Hughes, who worn it 94-95. Do you recall him having a, any connection? Uh, yes, I, I remember uh, Stephen Hughes quite well. He had a, a very good left foot, mm-hmm. was part of the team that won the double in 97-98, but obviously he'd uh, changed squad number by then. Uh, probably never became quite the player that everyone thought he was going to become. All right. Uh, but, you know, left the club with some honours in his pocket, but didn't really go on to, to great things. <sighs> It's tempting, you know, anyone who's won the double at Arsenal, you're tempted to give them a bit of a cannon. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So, for that reason and that alone, 
Can I stretch to a, to a small cannon? You can go small cannon. Uh, you can okay. do that. Yep. Thank you. I'm going to do that, even though he was a bit part player. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. Sometimes you just, uh, you're just part of a great squad and you, you get to share history yeah. and you get a cannon from me. Yeah, you know, part of the double winning side, had a great left foot. A small cannon should be all right. Um, yeah, thanks. Steven Hughes for me. And the thing is, when he talked, I uh, searched the internet for a poster that I had on my uh, boy room wall uh, at my parents' house when I was a small kid. Uh, and the thing is, on the poster, it was Arsenal's squad from 98, 99, I think it was. And I could name all the players' names, except Steven Hughes. I was, I was so, <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. I lay there at night trying to sleep, and I stared at Steven Hughes. And I was like, who the fuck are you? I know there's <laughs> Overmars, there's Bergkamp, there's Seaman, there's Dixon, there's Adam, blah, blah, blah. But who the fuck are you? And then later on, I realized it was Steven Hughes. Um, so, but I can't find that picture right now on the in everything else is on the internet except that picture uh, extraordinary I think, I think I've just sort of remembered with Stephen Hughes is that he had quite a lot of injury problems mm. which was um, always unfortunate for any player because you know he was he was actually quite impressive he had a really nice passing range I remember alright yeah. but I started to do this so early on but I, I think I have to go Spurs on him just because I didn't yeah. <laughs> knew his name right away. <laughs> you've got no uh, you've got no personal connection there no, so I can exactly. understand. Um but like I said I know it was a part of the double winning side but um sorry I had to go Spurs. Um all right next player German Pennant. Do you have a story about German Pennant? <laughs> Uh, Feel I was there. I was there when he scored his only hat trick for Arsenal. Does that oh, count? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry to interrupt uh, you, but did did you know that he was hung over like shit when he scored that hat trick? Yeah, so yeah, I hear. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was um, it was a few days after I think Arsenal had just lost the league title. Like Arsenal had been challenging that year in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and um. And the, the game after that was a bit like therapy. I remember going to the Emirates and Arsenal played Southampton. Sorry, the Emirates, Highbury. Yep. And Arsenal playing Southampton and Pires scored a hat-trick and Pennant scored a hat-trick. And um, you kind of thought, oh, maybe Pennant will actually go on and do something because Arsenal spent a lot of money buying him. Uh, it was a very hyped uh, transfer recruiting a teenager like that. I mm -hmm. think they spent a good couple of million quid or something. Um but there's absolutely no doubt that he goes down as a Spurs, unfortunately. Yeah. Just didn't didn't do it at Arsenal. Didn't kind of win over Arsene Wenger. Had a lot of competition in front of him. Really liked the party life. And then, to be fair, I mean, he did play in a Champions League final with Liverpool, he I did. think. Yeah, he did. Um, and did you know that he is the only English player to play in a Champions League final, but never, ever played for England's national team? Wow. Yeah. That's... That's a great fact. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not know that. Um, and did you also know, sorry, sorry to interrupt you again, that I have in my head, in my boy room, at my parents, a little, little, um, what is, what is scrapbooking uh, thing with a yeah. little picture of Jamal Pennant when Arsenal bought him from uh, the club that he bought him from. Um, uh, I, I think, was it, I'm starting to think, was it maybe... Uh, Charlton or was it uh, Luton? I can't remember now. Um, I'm trying to think. Anyhow, and I looked at that picture and he and I thought like he was, <laughs> he was not counting. Not so neither. Sorry, yeah, yeah, not yeah, counting. Yeah. And he was 15 at that time, something like it. Yeah, he was young. Yeah, he was young. 
And I looked at the picture and I read, oh, 15. All right, so I need to be 15 to play at Arsenal. All right, I better go out and train. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking I'm just looking through like his stats. I mean, it's Wikipedia rather than mm-hmm. transfer marks I'm looking at. And I mean, he really never stuck around anywhere very long in the end. And by the end, he was literally sort of like moving around a couple of times a year. Um, it's a shame because, again, really talented player. Played a lot of times for England under-21s. Yeah. But um, yeah, didn't quite do it at Arsenal. But that's it's just you know kind of shows how difficult it is to do these types of things. You know, you can be the best player in in the world at fifteen, but yeah. not necessarily go on to have the career you think you might. Um, can I get a uh, a tip to you and maybe our listeners as well? Uh, maybe we can do this live. Uh, can you get a web browser up? Yep. Uh, uh, type in S V. Yep. T play dot S E S V T play dot S E S E. Yeah. Okay. Uh any luck? Yeah, I'm yeah. on. That's the Sweden's best porn site. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's like Swedish national TV play site. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There you can search on uh, Premier League and you have two like really, really good documentary series about the Premier League when it started and um, like the next phase, you know, when all the oligarch money came in and so forth. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, And it's an episode there about, you know, uh, super talents. So they have two sides of the story. Like one side is when Rooney, super talent, who made Mm -hmm. it, won everything in the game. And one side is Jeremy Pennant, you know, super talent. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really, really interesting, and you know, to see the both sides of it, because uh, mostly you just he, you know, hear the Wayne Rooney side, like he's a super talent mm-hmm. and he won everything and got all the money in the world. Um, but it's really interesting to you know hear Gemma Pennant's because he's talking himself about his time and you know in Arsenal and in Liverpool and uh, you know all the drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. everything. Um, I mean, so, there was a story, wasn't there? Because he went to Real Zaragoza in Spain at one point, mm. and there was some story when he went on loan. He then went on loan back to Stoke City, and he parked his like Porsche up at the airport at yes. Zaragoza, mm. and he just left it there or something. And uh, I don't know if that was ever real or just a tabloid tale, but um, yeah, I because mean, he still had a fair amount of money because yeah. he was in the game for quite a while. But mm-hmm. whether he still has that money because he doesn't strike me as the type of person who was necessarily spending it uh, in a in <laughs> <laughs> in a sensible way during his playing career. I don't, no, know. No, I don't no. want to cast aspersions on him. But I don't know if you can look at this documentary series. Uh, maybe you already know everything, but uh, since you live in the UK, maybe you can't look at I it. I don't know. I don't know. A, a VPN, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Arsenal Vision can hook you up with uh, those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Next player, Moritz Wolz, also a German player who won uh, number 29. Yeah, um, wasn't around at Arsenal for very long, but was probably the first and most uh, savvy of the kind of internet-using footballers, I think. Mm. He had his own blog, and his oh, blog was really, really funny. Uh-huh. And um, Sorry yeah, to interrupt you. Did, did did we go Cannon or Spurs on Pennant, or was it just oh, funny yeah, stories? I went Spur- I yeah, went Spurs. Uh, Spurs for me as well. Sorry, continue on, Waltz. Sorry, sorry, That's sorry. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no, with Morris Foltz, I mean, uh, he didn't play that much, but he was kind of, again, left-footed, left-back, mm. I think it was. Um, but he just struck me as a really interesting character, like a kind of 
a, a German guy who'd come on over at a young age and was kind of curious about British culture and the British mm-hmm. way of doing mm-hmm. things. Um, but again, just found his path to the first team blocked off by, you know, Ashley Cole mm-hmm. eventually. Um, that was that was where it kind of went wrong for him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's 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 definitely not a kind of major career. I don't think he played a kind of a single Premier League game for for Arsenal. He might have featured in the League Cup or something at some point. Um, but he he did a pretty decent career in the end. I mean, I remember he moved to Fulham and he played there for like four or five years. And um, I mean, it's amazing because I'm looking at him. His his age is I'm exactly three weeks older than him. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he's uh, he was born in January 1983, like me, and um, yeah, I mean, he played 20, 20 games for Germany's under 21s as well. All right. He's now he's he's now a, an assistant coach at Galatasaray. Uh-huh. So he always struck me he was an, he was an interesting guy. Um, yeah, and apparently he had the nickname the Hoff after David Hasselhoff from. Well, um, it's a cannon for me. It's a cannon for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, I love it. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go Spurs, but I think Morris Volts will find that funny. So yeah, that's yeah. Fine. Uh, to be serious, I go. I have to go Spurs as well. Um, next player, who's a divided uh, character uh, to say the least, uh, is Ashley Cole, who wore number 29 according to transfer marked this season. Uh, uh, what do you say? 2000, hey. 2001. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of his breakthrough season, mm-hmm. really. Um, he was, uh, I mean, look, when he came into the team, Arsenal already had a very good left, left back in Silvino ahead yeah. of him. And the moment you watched him, you were like, oh, this kid's pretty good. Like he just had such an energy and an understanding of the position. And, um, he just took that position really quickly. I know Silvino had some, some passport problems and stuff, but, uh, I think Arsene Wenger kind of uncovered a gem there and, Look, huge regrets, obviously, that he didn't stick around and spend his entire career at Arsenal and become an utter, you know, an, an amazing legend. Mm, but yeah. even in the short time he was with us, he made his, you know, he stamped his authority on that position. Was he won three FA Cups, two leagues, a couple of champ, uh, community shields, was in the Champions League final. I mean, he was. it's just a real shame the way it ended up. And mm. I've spoken to a few players in and around the Arsenal team at that time you know people like david seaman and stuff and they were very sympathetic towards cole i mm-hmm. think arsenal may have messed him around a little bit on the contract and the big cock up on his part was he wrote that book and mm. described you know nearly driving off the road when um the contract was put to him uh which didn't look great because obviously it was a lot of money back then and it's a lot of money now that he's mm-hmm. earned um and people didn't have a huge amount of sympathy but it was a story that was told from one side and that one side was basically the tabloids spinning it and he didn't come across very well and obviously he moved to Chelsea which at that time was just unheard of you know players didn't really move directly between Arsenal and Chelsea and Chelsea had just taken the Abramovich money and they were as David Dean once said you know they part their lawn uh, part their tanks on our lawns and were firing 50 pound notes at us mm-hmm. so yeah it's a shame I I think it's it's almost like it's hard for him to be rehabilitated in the eyes of many Arsenal fans. You know, for years there were pretty bad songs sung about him whenever mm-hmm. he used to come back and play at Arsenal. Stuff that wouldn't get sung now, I would add. Um, and uh, you know what? I'm still going to give him a cannon. All right, all right. Yeah. 
I'm uh, going to give him a cannon because he's just won so much. Yeah, and uh, you might say he's the greatest left back the Premier League has ever seen. Uh, you, for sure, you could you could argue that. I mean, uh. he's won what? I'm just looking at what else he won. I mean, it was another four FA Cups at Chelsea, another Premier League at Chelsea, you know, Champions League, Europa League. I mean, he won everything. He yeah. was in the PFA Team of the Year four times. I mean, UEFA Team of the Year twice. He was, I mean, he's genuinely like a legend of the game, really. It sure is, but I'm I'm sorry, but I still have to go Spurs on him. I'm sorry, I'm so tainted about this move. I I can't I can't help it, you know. You you you're a, you're a hard man. Yes, Philip. yes, 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 I am. Um, and, and this is funny about this game. Um, because like I said, uh, I give Ashley Cole Spurs, but the next player we're gonna talk about, maybe I can go first on this one, is Sebastian <laughs> is uh, Sebastian Larsson. You know the Swedish player. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a canon in my book. <laughs> Maybe just because he's a he's a Swede, but I remember him, like Arsenal bought him early. I think it was he was sixteen, seventeen when he moved there, and I I got that transfer at the time, so I was following ha- him live. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like get his update and so forth. And yeah, when yeah, he break yeah, yeah. through the the first team, I was like, this is it, this is it. I can now, you know, harvest all the fruits, or what is the English <laughs> expression? Do you know, like all these articles, all the time I've spent on this Swedish yeah, player. Yeah. Uh, now is is the time, and I think even he played. Didn't he play a champ, a couple of Champions League games as well? And uh, maybe didn't had had his best career uh, at Arsenal. It would be came later in. Um, maybe it was. At his peak at Sunderland, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a he had a really good career, to be fair. Yeah, Which, you know, one hundred and thirty odd games for Sweden as well. Yeah, I think it's you the know, played, player who capped Sweden uh, most. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, I think when you play that many international tournaments like he did, hmm. you know, that's great. Like he really did go on and have a very good career. I think. Um, he wasn't quite, I don't think, quick enough at Arsenal and for the type of football we wanted to play. But, you know, there were times when you looked at him playing at Birmingham and Sunderland where you thought, oh, maybe he could have played at Arsenal, you know, stuck around a bit more. But, um, you know, trying to come through as he did at, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, when Arsenal still had a lot of invincibles around. Um, but I'm going to give him Spurs. Mm. All right, all right. Uh, maybe next one we agree on um, the French striker, Marouane Chamac. Cannon or Spurs, Andrew? Uh, I'm going to give him and Spurs. A Spurs on the hair or his playing, playing talent? <laughs> hair was very bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was, uh, there was quite a lot of excitement when Arsenal signed him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was much wanted because he did well at Bordeaux. But after a decent start and I think he scored on his debut maybe it was you know and he scored a few goals early in the season I, th- I think I think he scored like in his first seven or eight games I, I think mean, he, he was he made a really really strong start and I think yeah. supporters were like okay this is this is something but then um Robin Van Persie came back from injury I think mm. it was and Van Persie came into the team around about Christmas New Year time and just became the main man and after that I think Chamak just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Like he just didn't do anything ever again. Um 
So uh, and that's literally that ever again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he just he really fell apart. I think yeah. you know I don't know if there was any off field issues that he was struggling from, but like yeah, he I mean he just wasn't very good. At the same time, you know, played for Morocco sixty five times. Mm-hmm. You know, had a fair few games for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what he's doing now. I'd be really curious to 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 see what he's up to. But um, yeah, uh, it's a shame didn't quite work out for him. But there was a the clear gulf between Robin van Persie and him. Uh, so you go Spurs. I'm going Spurs. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Spurs. I'm going Spurs as well. All right, next. I finally agree. Yeah, and uh, all right, next player and the next Swedish word. Um, <laughs> Or pro- pronunciation, so to speak. Uh, Kim Kjellström. Cannon or Spurs? Can I give a man a cannon just for one penalty? Woohoo! Yes, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there it was. We waited so long for his debut and then um, he finally got a couple of appearances on the pitch and scores at Wembley. Helped send us through to a FA Cup final, which we win. Um very strange the whole signing of him and the timing of it and the fact that he arrived with a back injury mm-hmm. and he just couldn't play but he obviously came with a decent reputation yeah. because um you know he he'd been knocking around on the Sweden team for quite a long time um but yeah i mean it just didn't really work out and it was such a short term deal that it just yeah it was uh I mean, yeah, he he moves pretty much straight away, didn't he? Off to Grasshoppers or something like that. I think it was. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, wasn't to be. But he I, he did do a, a really interesting. I can't remember if it was an interview or a first person piece about his time at Arsenal, and he says it was a real career highlight. Yeah, yeah, they, it's a tradition in Sweden. In the summer, the couple of Swedish celebrities every summer do like an hour radio show. They talk about the right. life, and uh, I think what you're referring to is uh, his like radio speech, summer speech, uh, and he okay. said uh, it, that moment when I put on the golden cannon, it was the greatest mm-hmm. moment of my career. And you can understand that because yeah, no, yeah, no disrespect course. to you know Le- Leon and uh, yeah, Ren and so, off, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Ex- exactly. But that was his. And a, f- a funny story from that show. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, but you mentioned the penalty against Wigan in yeah. the in, yeah. Um, yeah, and he, he talked about that panel here, like, like he had a blackout. He's, he yeah. re- remembered it like he put a penalty in the right hand corner, but when he looked at replay, he put it in the left hand corner, and, and he was like, "What the? I put it in the right hand corner. What is this?" <laughs> like he, he had a total blackout, and he can't remember anything from it. Um, but it, it was a good penalty, though. Yeah, I mean that was a very very tense afternoon mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Arsenal really should have not got to a penalty situation against Wigan who were the league below at that point um, yeah very tense I was very very happy to get out of Wembley knowing that we were going to play Hull in the final very very happy it finally felt like there was a moment there where we were going to we're finally within touching distance of um, ending our trophy drought mm-hmm. which we did yeah. later on and Kim Shellstrom more trophies than Kane Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a K a K named player with the trophy for once in North yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> double K even. Uh, but here's a cannon for me, no doubt. Um, all right, next player, um, Granit Xhaka. 
Cannon or Spurs? Ooh. Mm, that's a tough one. I, I reckon. Um, I always liked Jacko. I kind of liked that he was no nonsense. And I sensed that um, that rubbed up a lot of people the wrong way, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 but he was never really any different from the moment he got to the club. Like he was, there was a bit of lip between him and the supporters, I felt. Mm-hmm. So for him to turn it around and basically get a huge standing ovation on his final appearance, having scored two goals, having got the club back into the Champions League and all the rest of it. Uh, I just think I have to give him a huge amount of credit for that mm-hmm. because yep. that is just, that's not easy to do, right? I don't think he expected it. We certainly didn't expect it. And I'm very happy for him. So I'm going to give him a cannon. Uh, I think I'm going to give him a cannon as well. What you could do is like really base this on the time he won number 29 because I'm tempted to give him Spurs uh, you know, uh, just based yeah, on the number yeah. 29 because when he changed number to number 34 I think he, you can make a case that he had a better better seasons after that, even though you know the Crystal Palace game and, uh, and so forth, but I'm gonna give him a, a cannon as well, just like like you said like the, the time he has had in at Arsenal during his years, um, no one even come close to everything he's he's done, uh, and we haven't even mentioned he's won two FA Cups during that time. Yeah, one of the, one of those was when he was wearing that number as well in sixteen mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, so you know, we'll so. give him. I'm going to give him a cannon still. Yeah, me too. Uh, a cannon for me. All right, next player, Mattia Guendouzi. Uh, is it a Spurs or a Giant Spurs? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, Matteo. He had all the potential yeah. as well to to kind of go on and be a really good player, but for whatever reason, he is just very, very um, immature and kind of scuppered his own chances. I I I don't think he was helped by Arsenal moving from a manager like Unai Emery to a manager a bit more disciplinarian like like uh, Arteta. I think it was just the wrong time for him to be at the club. Um, so, yeah, Spurs, probably big Spurs. I mean, he didn't help himself by doing silly things like when Arsenal won the FA Cup in 2020, you know, posting about yes. being on holiday and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it's just silly. But there's obviously a player there. You know, he's done well at Marseille and I could easily see him playing another 10 years at decent teams around Europe and stuff. So shame for him, but wasn't to be. Yeah, I have to go Spurs as well. Um, I don't know how the talk went in um, or was in England at the time, but in Sweden, he got a really big hype, you know, during his first, I don't know, first half a season or so. Um, yeah. Like, oh, this is this is a raw material. Maybe it's not that good, but, you know, he could be the next blah, 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 blah. And here we are, like, what is it, three years later. And uh, the thing you remember, like you said, is that Instagram post. Um, no. Yeah, I mean it's 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 silly little things like that, isn't yeah. it? I mean the thing is, like when he, when we signed him from Lorient, there was nobody expecting him to actually challenge for a first team place, right? And he ended up playing something like fifty games in his first season mm-hmm. as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that's really really impressive, you know, to 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 do that at the age that he was doing. So he has something about him, and there was a lot of fight there, you know, um, not always fighting the right people, but a lot of fight there grit and determination and i think some you know on the terraces people like that but you've got to channel that kind of aggression in the right way and you've got to be doing it 
on the pitch and not via social media and you can't be passive aggressive towards your coach and you can't go getting into arguments with staff members when you go on training camps and you can't just generally be a bit of an annoying dick. It sounds like a really bad apple. Yeah. Now, now that you say all these things, like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's bad apple. He was never going to last under Arteta, no. was he? No, no, no. Um, so, uh, Spurs for both of us. Which leads us to our new t- number 29, Kai Havertz. And I have, like I said before, I have a couple of questions about Kai Havertz. So I think we're going to start this talk about him with a couple of questions. Uh, sure. First one from Micke Eriksson at Micke Eriksson AFC on Twitter. Will Havertz take over Chaka's place on the midfield and will Rice, uh, in that case, be alone number six? Hmm. Uh, I think in theory, yes, he will have the qualities to play that way. Mm-hmm. I am really interested to see if. Arteta decides to do something slightly different with the way he shapes up the midfield. Um, you know, just because he's been playing with that kind of four, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. I've lost count of, you know. How many players are there? Just, four, one, two, just, three. <laughs> just because he's been uh, playing with like a, a kind of single uh, uh, holding midfielder in yeah. party this season doesn't necessarily mean that he won't somehow switch it around. I think he'll be looking for new ways of doing things. Um, Can I do a follow-up question on that from Mickey Eriksson as well? Sure. Like it's, It seems like you're heading that direction, so to speak. Or is it um, is the plan to play Timba, Julian Timba, invite, uh, inverted right back and therefore uh, cover up for Rice in the middle? Uh I mean, again, yeah, that's that's something I think they'll be looking at. I mean, the fact that Arsenal had to do so much of their build-up from the left-back mm-hmm. position with Zinchenko did, I guess, make us a little bit predictable, you know, more predictable. And then when he was injured, we were too reliant on him and we didn't have another option. So to be able to do that from both sides is definitely going to be important. And I think that's for sure why Timber's being targeted. Um, I think with Havertz, what you're basically looking at is is versatility, as is so often the case with targets that Arsenal go after, was was absolutely key. You know, there's a guy who's six two who scores some decent headed goals. You know, we don't really have that kind of profile in the team, so he can lead the line if necessary, but probably not the the the, the main aim. And he's also got the ability to play off the right, off the left. Mm-hmm. He can play in a number ten. You know at a time when we're looking for someone and quality players to, to, to provide backup in areas of the pitch, this is this is what we're looking at. 65 million, you know, whatever way you slice that up and however you know many segments you pay that off in is a lot of money for a player. So I'd expect him to be pegged for a position in the starting 11. And that probably means if Granite Jack is going, that that's the, you know, the big empty space that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm I'm really curious because this kind of came out of nowhere, really. You know, I don't think, yes. as I said right at the top of the show, I don't think Arsenal were keeping an eye on Kai Havertz and had him down as like number one on the shopping list. But they may have been looking for someone who could come in and play the Granite Xhaka role. And they must have thought, well, OK, here's a guy who's available. Here's a guy with Premier League experience who plays internationally, who has... 
a similar profile, I guess, to Erdegaard in that maybe he was very, very hyped, went somewhere, didn't quite deliver, even though he, you know, won the Champions League mm-hmm. and stuff with Chelsea. And 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 that Arteta can maybe turn his um, magic to and try and get something more out of. I think you have to say if Arteta and Eddie were going out and they're spending big on this, while it's a bit of a risk, they must have an idea about what they want him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just very very curious. I think more than anything to to see because he's one of those players who. While I know he's been playing at Chelsea, I haven't watched a huge. You know, I don't go out of my way to watch Chelsea playing. What? Um, Stop the presses! <laughs> and obviously, last season they were just terrible, yeah. and um, he was kind of being played as a you know asked to lead the line and stuff. But yeah, I think in a in a in a squad like Arsenal's where you've got lots of tactical technical players, there's a guy with football intelligence mm-hmm. who can slot in, and uh, I think he could thrive. So mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Because we spent a lot of money, and um, I think the only question is whether or not he's got the physicality, maybe to 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 be a kind of Jacaresque figure. But then maybe we don't need to go direct replacement, right? You need to think a bit differently. Maybe there's stuff that Xhaka wasn't doing in that role that um, Arteta wanted him to do. That Cavax might be able to. It might be more attacking, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I I think that's the way it's gonna go. Like like you said, Havertz is a big fella you know blah 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 but you don't you don't what how do you how do i put this you don't put physique on him like his number one tribute like his number one thing like that is technique and uh, vision and and thing so and and if you're gonna replace granite chaka straight straight well how do you put this if you're gonna replace him you know same role same same same, yeah man man, exactly exactly um I don't think Kai Havertz can do that job with a def- defensive responsibility, but so I wouldn't be that surprised if Arteta tweaks something. Uh, maybe perhaps Timber go invert, or um, or I don't know. But I don't think like Arsenal are gonna play copy paste the way they're playing last season to this season. Um, no, I mean look, there's there's a bit of me that even wonders whether we might line up with a three at the back and hmm. and and wing backs, you know. Which yeah, would, maybe. Yeah. You know, again, would 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 change things. I mean, it may be a case that we have three or four formations in our pocket that we mm-hmm. can use. You know, that ability to be unpredictable is something that Arteta's been banging on about for ages. And yeah. you only had to see how City switched things up against us and in the last part of the season to to see the benefits of that. Right? You catch mm-hmm. people off guard. You can win games in the in you know twenty minutes just by doing something slightly different. So. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, we will get our first glimpse of it in in a couple of weeks' time when they play FC Nuremberg, and then they'll start to try and hone things in the states. And um, by that point, I think we'll have a pretty good idea about what's happening. And I'm sure the Athletic will have written about a million articles about it. <laughs> just, just a million, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> well, they need a vacation uh, as well, so. Um... All right, speaking about Havertz, next question, but maybe we'll answer this already, but I'm read it out, gonna read it out anyways. Uh, it's from Niklas Segersten. How are we gonna get the best out of Kai Havertz? And maybe we already answered this, but um, what do you think? In the middle, striker, winger? I think the key thing is to play to his strengths, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, if he's a guy who's you know got an eye for a pass and is good at getting into the box late, and you ask him to do those things, 
if he's not particularly comfortable with playing with his back to you know big defenders, which is kind of what Chelsea was sort of asking him to do this you know last season, don't ask him to do that because it's only going to knock his confidence when he gets yeah. kicked around. Um, I think one of the biggest things that Arteta pushes is this idea of partnerships on the field. Yes. So who does he see this guy dovetailing with? Is he going to be dovetailing with uh, Martin Odegaard? Does he see those two as a kind of uh, a pair who are kind of pulling the strings behind attackers? Does he see him particularly having a relationship with Gabby Martinelli? Uh, is it that he thinks he can have a relationship with, with Declan Rice, you know, behind him? Um, it's, a, it, it's going to be about experimenting in the next six, seven weeks uh, before the season starts and, and finding those things and then just playing to the players' strengths. Yeah. I do think his Champions League experience is really important because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while we've got a very good team, we don't necessarily have a huge amount of experience in that competition. And there are things that happen differently. You know, you have to have you know, your wits about you against some of the best players in the world, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's useful. And you know, he's 24 years old. Yeah. He's not hit his peak, um, but he comes in with a profile which fits, you know, much the same as a lot of the others. You know, uh, Declan Rice is 24, isn't yeah. he? Some of our youngest guys are just coming into their sort of, I guess, their early mid-20s. Um, so he's got an opportunity to grow alongside them. Yeah, uh, He seems like a really intelligent, softly spoken, kind of just general like football lover and animal lover and seems to be a kind of all-round nice guy, which is something that Arteta, again, it's the sort of no dicks rule, um, which is why people like Gwendozi didn't yep. get to hang around. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doozy, take notes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's lots of good things to say for yeah. him. I, I, I think there are, there are gaps in his game, and I think he strikes me as... Um, someone whose confidence is is something that's going to have to be managed mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and to do that you need to be able to give people game time to give them the opportunity to like play make mistakes get used to things and all the rest of it and that in some ways reforces you know it's, it's Arteta who the responsibility comes to, to to do that you know and I've said at the beginning you know he needs to get better at rotating his team yeah um, so having Havertz as an option in that part of the pitch, he can come in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, like you mentioned, he's all he's 24, which is not that old, and he's been around no. for so long. Like when you break, I would love to be 24. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Me too. Do you remember those times? Oh my God. Well. Yeah. Well, if I yeah, but all right. Uh, the fi- what I what I was about to say is. 24. It feels like he been around for years. A long time. Like yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like you said he's 24, play international football for Germany, yeah. Played a lot of Champions League football with uh, Chelsea. He even uh scored in that Champions League final. Uh what was it? 2021. Uh, I think it was. So he has even yeah, though he's yeah. even though he's just "Quote unquote," just twenty-four. He has all these experience, uh, you know, a lot of Premier League experience as well, which Arteta clearly, you know, rates. Um, and about his position, I'm really, really convinced that he's he's not gonna play striker. Uh, he's gonna play on the midfield in some sorts, uh, 
in the Chaka role, quote unquote, maybe not the man for a like for like replacement, but in that kind of role, you know, coming in mm -hmm. with a with a late run, um, building, you know, with this vision and technique, building building the play. Um, I don't think that Arsenal paid that much money for a second striker, you know, because if he's gonna mm. play striker, he's gonna play behind Jesus. Uh, that's not gonna happen. They paid the, that uh, kind of money for us for a starter, and I'm quite convinced that he's gonna start in the midfield. And maybe you know he's yeah. he's versatile, like I said. Maybe sometimes out wide, maybe sometimes in the middle, up front. But I think like 80% of the time he's gonna start um, in quote unquote again the Shaka role. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good call. Yeah, I really stuck my chin out there. <laughs> well look the good thing is is you know i'll remember this and if he doesn't play there then obviously i'll just never come on the podcast again oh a lot of oh i'm starting sweating right now andrew <laughs> jesus <laughs> Woo! a lot of pressure um okay 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 um any more thoughts about kai harvitz he's been an arsenal player for a week or so um uh uh, what can I say? What can I say? You know, there was a lot of uh, chat about him. Uh, you know, the the unveiling being shot at yeah. Kepper's wedding. <laughs> yes, how brilliant yeah. was that? <laughs> yeah, really well, I, I, I'm really sorry to spoil it for everyone, but all I right. know for a fact that's not true. Oh, okay, uh, all right, okay, okay, okay. And I know I know where it was shot, but I uh -huh. can't say anything. Because Your backyard. I I'll give, yeah, yeah. I'll give I'll give away who my source was. Ah, no worries. Um, All right. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was. Unfortunately, it wasn't actually shot right. there. Okay. Um, okay. They uh, they did want to shoot it at the villa that he was renting, but um, he was on holiday with Kovacic and uh, Christensen. Ah, and, uh, all right. They uh, <laughs> they couldn't really do an Arsenal shoot with two other players from other clubs there, so they they went and found somewhere else. But it wasn't the wedding. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, sounds fair. Sounds fair. Uh, one last thing about Kai Havertz because I I've seen he's been an Arsenal player for a week now, so maybe people have moved on and you know started to hope more about Rice and Timba, which we're gonna talk about in in a minute's time. But I put it like this: um, don't think like you. Like, don't think about it like we signed the Harvards from Chelsea this season. Think about it like we signed the Harvards from Leverkusen and Chelsea the seasons before, when actually he was kind of good. Um, and like I said, he's 24 versatile, so um, big hopes. It's exciting times for the men's team as well, not only for the women's team. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting times. Like I said a long time ago, it's going to get better, mm -hmm. and it's got better. I have that on my on the back tattoo now on my back, <laughs> <laughs> alongside a face of mine. Yeah. Yep. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I, speaking of face, I didn't show you before in the camera, but I have a T-shirt with Unai Emery's face on it, who says "Good evening." Wow. Yeah. Where did you get that from? I got it from a friend, uh, the friends of mine, when I uh, grad grad. What do you say? Graduated. Graduated. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, Congratulations. So now I walk um, around with a T-shirt with an Aston Villa manager's face on it, uh, <laughs> but that's all right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. You probably didn't wear it that season when he knocked us out of the Europa League, did you? No, actually, I got I got it just like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So brand new. Well, congratulations on graduating. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, thank you very much. But that's, enough. That's great. Stuff. Yeah. But enough about me and Unai Emery's face. Uh, Next question. 
Uh, are you ready for the next question? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, great. And I think because the next question is about Timba and La and uh, Mick Eriksson already, you know, scratched at the Timba mm -hmm. surface. So maybe we should go there, uh, talk a little sure. bit about Timba. Um, because the next question uh, reads out from Fredrik Högberg at Fredrik Högberg1 on Twitter. Uh, Timba, does he go straight, uh, straight into the starting 11? Oof. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be injury dependent mm. in that I don't know what the situation is with William Saliba's back. And while I know that he's about to sign a brand new contract, the fact that he's not played a game of football since March mm -hmm. and he didn't seem to get anywhere near to getting to the level of fitness required to be able to do that at the end of the season suggests to me that he may come into pre-season a little bit rusty, at which point I guess the temptation will be to play Ben White on the right side of the defence mm -hmm. alongside Gabriel. And that then automatically does leave a, a space on the right-back slot because Tomiyasu is going to be out for a while longer, I think, or at least just feeling his way back into things off the back of his knee injury. So um, I think it's I think it's there and it's his for the taking, you know. Um, I certainly think if we spend this amount of money and we think this guy has the qualities to play as an inverted fullback, that you're going to use pre-season to test that. Mm -hmm. So I would expect to see him once he's you know, settled in, given quite a lot of minutes in, in, in the US leg of the tour, at least. Um, and then it was really on him, you know, whether he can hold hold down the position. But I see no reason with the start that Arsenal have why you wouldn't kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and, and try him out. Now, if Saliba returns and he's completely fit and, you know, he's ready to start the season, it becomes obviously a much more difficult conversation mm -hmm. Ben White was so good at right back last season and really if it weren't for whatever issues are keeping him out of the England team he would easily be in the England team mm, yeah. um, so the good thing is is that it's such a huge potential huge up, up upgrade on, on having someone like Cedric there as well And <laughs> too know, soon Andrew yeah. too soon you can't mention his name <laughs> it's too soon well, you know he's still an Arsenal player so I, I won't Damn be too it. hard on him but um yeah, it's a, it's a big upgrade, right? So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm excited. I have to say, you know, I'd be lying if I said I'd seen loads of timber playing for Ajax, right? You know, maybe a game here or there, but I wouldn't even, it wouldn't have even registered, you know, who he was particularly. Um, so it's one of those ones where you kind of come at it again with a, a high level of curiosity. You know, mm -hmm. What can this guy do? I got very excited this time last year about Fabio Vieira, uh -huh. and mm -hmm. what level of quality he was going to bring to Arsenal's midfield and, you know, how could he take us to the next level? And obviously it didn't really work out that way last season for him. Have you seen, so, speaking about Fabio Vieira, have you seen his latest Instagram post? Uh, I saw he was on holiday. Yep. Uh, and he was with his pregnant girlfriend, wife, I think. Yeah, yeah. Nothing more than that, though. All right. So you didn't uh, notice that he didn't has hit the gym. <laughs> you think he still looks a bit skinny? Yeah, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, he's, I think it's going to be quite hard for someone like him to pack it on. So yeah, that they that's kind true. Of come back looking like uh, who is the little uh, Swiss guy? Um, oh, Shakiri. Shakiri. 
Yeah, Shakiri, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was the kind of, yeah, it's going to be hard for him to become like a little chunky yeah. like guy like that. But um, yeah, yeah Shakiri, I mean, that's just, Shakiri that... looked like the box, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's kind of, so Vieira is my like warning against mm, expecting yeah. too much, especially when you're coming from a sort of a league with a less pedigree. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I, I, I think the key thing is to not, too much pressure on and the good thing is is that hopefully if Saliba's around that we don't have to put too much pressure on yeah like we can give him time but mm-hmm. I still think that if if Saliba's not around then White will go to right back and this guy will be straight in there yeah all right all kidding aside about Fabio Vieira and his uh, non-existing arms so um th- because that was going to be my next question what's your thoughts about Timber in general but you haven't seen that much have you read anything uh, because it's it is like you said a quite a big fee for a 22 d- defender from uh, uh, Holland the, from yeah, Holland I mean, from it, Ajax. it's interesting obviously Arsenal were trying to go after Lissandro Martinez weren't we last year mm-hmm. and it was a, he was part of that same Ajax defence and uh, sort of offers seemingly what Timber offers but from the other side and we were willing to go to a certain price but ultimately we weren't willing to go whole hog and we ended up changing our you know focus and getting Zinchenko um I I honestly I think I just I haven't seen enough of him but what I've read is that he has extraordinary passing range and that he's not afraid to play long balls as well as coming in inverted and and playing short stuff Mm. um obviously he's capable of playing at center back and as a as a right back which um you know we've, we've we've chatted about which is interesting so i mean again he could also challenge potentially as a an alternative to saliba if he wanted to leave ben white at right back but it does feel a little bit like we're going to play him wider but then again like who knows because as i said before like i wouldn't be surprised if arteta decided to turn around and play with a with a three man mm-hmm. just to sort of experiment there um and in that instance you know you could either put Gabriel in the center and have Kivior outside mm, yeah. um, or you could, you know, move Gabriel over and have white and, and, and uh, timber. So the good thing is options. Options yeah. are always, always good. You just need to make sure they get enough game time together to know what they're doing when they're actually, you know, put on the pitch. And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to go all Clyde Palmer on our listeners, but I've started to think about this, not like a starting 11, but as a squad like yeah. who, who's our best 11 don't think about 11 think about a good squad now with five substitutions and we have to go like in the league the fa cup the champions league maybe the carabao cup as well we need yeah we don't know don't just need like 11 good players and oh that's our best best 11 and then uh, him and him and him we have to have a good squad to rotate. Like we said earlier, the like you said, next season, what's the thing? What has to change? Rotate. We have to rotate more. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't rotate if you just have a good starting 11. Uh, think about it as a starting squad um, and, and go from there. Like rotate, rotate, rotate. Maybe he plays two games, then out. Maybe he played two games, uh, then out. Because I think this whole idea... Uh, and I don't want to, you know, throw Fredrik Högberg under the bus or anything. But I think the whole idea of a good starting eleven is kind of old-fashioned. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I do think also that um, 
you know, the idea that we're just pegged to one particular formation as well. Mm. Yeah. It's not, you know, I don't think we're going to be like that. I think we're going to change things up. Um, we're going to have players who are capable of playing two, three roles each, moving things around, keeping us fluid on the pitch. Um, you know, last year uh, on paper, Arsenal played a, you know, a 4 1 2 3 or whatever, but, you know, we'd never seen a left back do what Zinchenko did. So, what new ideas does Arteta have up his sleeve? He said he had new stuff up his sleeve towards the end of last season, but it was too much of a, you know, squeaky bum time period for him to go trying out new stuff. Yeah. So he this is the time to do it, pre-season. Yeah. He also said that he has real, really wild dreams. <laughs> he does, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe we're going to start fielding 13 players. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And you're... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but last thing about Timba. Um, it, it, what you can read and hear about it, it seems kind of close, doesn't it? It's about to yeah, happen. Yeah, I think... Yeah. I think, uh, I think If I was guessing, I'd say Timber will happen before Rice, and mm. they'll both happen in the in the next ten days. And by, you know, they, they seem to be pretty much done, but they're not undone because done these days means, you know, having your photos taken, yeah. having a video done, obviously the medical, uh, making sure that all of the paperwork is signed off by both clubs, and you know, things like the uh, the Havertz one, Arsenal were basically waiting you know, in a queue for Chelsea to do all the paperwork for a whole mm. load of the other players who were moving oh. to Saudi Arabia. Mm. And, that you know, Chelsea may have a large legal team, but they still need to go through everything thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And they were doing a lot of transfers and Arsenal were kind of stuck in a, in a, in a you know, like, like aeroplanes kind of waiting to take off at a, a big airport. You know, mm. they were just one behind the other. Yeah. And um, Arsenal were ready to announce the deal earlier, but they didn't have the final signature. So, um Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah yeah yeah. I think they're both very close though, Timber and Rice, and then and then that leaves us with an opportunity to then focus on selling some players. Sounds like Xhaka could go by the end of the week. Yeah. Um, and then there's just a whole host of other players, isn't there? You know, loan players, guys coming back from loan, um, guys who just haven't really been around the first team in quite a while, like Nicolas Pepe. I mean, just like. There's guys, I mean, interestingly, you know, Arsenal have done very well on the contract front in the last two years, basically getting to a point where they don't have to worry about any major contracts being up with 12 months to go. They've worked really, really hard to change that situation. So the only thing their issue is with at the moment is is just Reese Nelson at the moment. Yeah. But well, then even looking to next year, um, you know, if we expect Saliba to sign a new deal, which sounds like that will happen... Next year, the only players out of contract in 2024 are Arthur Conquo, Alex Runison, who probably won't be around, <laughs> Rob Holding, yeah. yeah, Rob Holding, who probably won't be around, Cedric, who probably won't be around, Pablo Mari's just gone, so he's not an issue. You've got El Neni, who probably won't be around, and and Pepe, who I think again won't be around. So we're already almost like you know ahead of where we need to be for next year um, on the contract stuff, and they've done that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to Rice, then you mentioned him. Um, it's gonna get done. Uh, re big record fee. Everyone is excited. He's the best midfielder that the world has ever seen. Um, and enough said about that. Yeah, look, I mean, he he is. 
I mean, if you told me a year ago that Arsenal were going to be in a position to spend £100 million, pit Manchester City and buy Declan Rice, I'd have never believed you. Just would never have believed you. I didn't think we were capable of pulling off a deal like that anymore. Um, but you can see where the momentum is built up around the club. Yeah, you yeah. can see the connection with the fans. People look at Arsenal when they go, that's a place I want to go and play football. That looks like a cool stadium to go and play in. Look at that atmosphere. Look at that manager who's managed to take that team from there into the Champions League. Look at all those young players who they've got who are exciting. Two or three, you know, who are up there for the, you know, um, Player of the Year awards. I yeah. want to play with those guys. Mm-hmm. I play with them already at international level in the case of Declan Rice, right? He gets to play with Saka and he gets to play with Ramsdale. He gets to play with Ben White. He knows what these people are about. Smith Rowe as well. Um, so, you know, Arsenal is going places. They needed to not take their foot off the gas. I think it would have been really easy this season, this summer, to kind of maybe leave the Xhaka party thing for another year yeah. and then worry about it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to do that. They definitely don't want to do that. And um, this is a statement, <clears throat> a real statement signing, like the likes of which has been... I mean, maybe I thought the Pepe one was a statement signing because it was expensive. It, this is more on a par yeah. with the kind of Ozil mm-hmm. signing. And then looking further back, it's... Uh, you know, maybe a Sol Campbell signing, actually. Yeah, I would compare it more to Sol Campbell because you're yeah. you're yeah. getting him from a direct another rival. Club, yeah, yeah, another yeah. London club, uh, another club in the league, a direct rival. Even though Sol Campbell was for free, which you can la- still laugh about uh, when you feel a bit down, um, and rises <laughs> for a record big fee. But this is, I, I think, this is huge. Um, and it was, he's an English player who everyone yeah. wanted, who mm-hmm. is at the peak of his powers, and he's coming to Arsenal. And I think on so many levels there, you know, he's West Ham's captain as well. Yes. On so many levels, like, he, he, he ticks so many boxes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just really, really interested to see how he settles in, like what kind of an impact he makes, like who he is, how he buys into the club's values. I mean, to all intents and purposes, every time I listen to any podcast about him, everyone talks about what a nice guy he is, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. a really like genuine, like the nicest yeah. man in football, that type of thing. That's a really interesting character to add to the mix. I think um, he's gregarious enough to be, you know, a, a leader in the dressing room in terms of, you know, exerting himself. I think he's a bit more um, extrovert than Martin Erdegaard. But, um, you know, more of a maybe like a, a Ramsdale-esque character, mm-hmm. right? And if you're trying to balance the characters in the dressing room as well as the qualities they, they bring on the pitch, you've got a Havertz and an Erdegaard who are quite similar, maybe a Ramsdale and a and a Declan Rice who are quite similar. Um, I think Arteta's looking for a few of the younger guys to become a bit more leader-like. Yep. So you might see Saka stepping up a little bit more think you know when it comes to doing press stuff or yep. just generally being a voice in the dressing room or being part of the the leadership group and stuff like that um you know zinchenko you know jesus they come with that winning mentality yes um and yeah i mean i think if you lose a few players as well because granite jack is a, a huge voice in the dressing room and if you lost rob holding who mm. i think you know is very underrated in terms of what he brings to the the unit, not so much maybe his ability on the ball, but like his personality, that's big. Kieran Tierney could go again. He was someone who was being earmarked as future captain. Mm-hmm. So just keeping making sure you don't leave yourself with a kind of personality vacuum, uh, super super important. Yeah. Um, 
can I just tell you a theory I have about... Funny you mentioned the word vacuum. Because I, I have this theory about, uh, you know, personalities and leadership and vacuum and so forth. Uh, because one argument uh, that you could say about not selling Ranachaka is like... I mean, he, he's our leader in the dressing room. He's our leader in the at a training um, pitch and so forth, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if we sell him, we sell all this uh, um, leadership abilities and, and everything. <coughs> um, but the, th the thing about vacuum is like, universe hates vacuum. It shouldn't exist, should never ever exist. So if mm. Shaka goes, uh, someone else will fill in that vacuum spot, um, like like a Declan Rice, like a Bukayo Saka, maybe even like a William Saliba, maybe even a Ben White, for all we know. Um, yeah, I don't I yeah. don't know if if you if you understand my like theory. No, I, I, I mean, yeah, not... you when there's a gap, someone fills it every and... single time. Like definitely, yeah. like at my work, I work at a at a preschool. Um, and you think of like all these kids who now starting, you know, the the big school, so to speak, mm -hmm. like, oh, he's going to fill his spot, uh, like the funny guy, like the, you know, the yeah, clever yeah, guy yeah. and so forth. Yeah. All these uh, roles who is in, uh, in this group of persons, every, every group of persons, you have this role, like the funny guy, the smart guy, the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, and every it, semester it, it, there's someone filling the spot, like vacuum should not ever exist mm. in this universe. So... Filled. I mean, filled, I, I, filled. I, I, I do think that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a season a few, well, a summer a few seasons ago when, do you remember, um, like Monreal left and Kashani left and Czech left and yes. Ramsey left. And I, I don't know if it was just a case of, you know, it's easy to look at all of that experience going when Arsenal were in a bit of a dodgy spot at the time anyway. But it felt like too many voices left at the same time. Mm it became harder to fill that. And then yeah. when tough times got tough on the pitch, we looked a little bit spineless and you didn't have the kind of experienced guys there to kind of say, you know, we've done this, we're Arsenal, we know what to do, we can pull this back, you know, which we did many times under Wenger. Um, you don't want to let too many experienced heads leave. Um, but I think with Rice, what you're getting, even though he's only 24, is someone who's been around the block, done it, you know, played international tournaments, captain a club of his own. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a fine, fine, fine um, new addition to the to the squad. The more I think about my vacuum theory, the it doesn't make any sense. Because, like you said, we sold Koscielny, Montreal, and blah, 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 and we filled it with Gwendusi, Abomiang, and uh, Socrates. And so, nah... Maybe it's not, not, maybe not my best theory. <laughs> Look, I, I, I wouldn't beat yourself up, but I think I think there's definitely something for that. I mean, like new, you you have to make room for new voices to yes. come through, right? Yes. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. If 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 some of these guys leave, then it means that you know there's more space for uh, a Bukayo Saka to become a louder guy in the dressing. There's a, there's a gap there. Like the responsibilities have to fall somewhere, and if you give someone the responsibility when they you know, they've been in the team for a while, but they didn't have that responsibility. That gives them the chance to learn something and grow and become the next level. So, yeah, I do exactly. think there's something to what you say. It's like, a, it's. I, I put another theory there, like a tree, like a plant. Like when you put it in a small pot, 
it will only grow yeah. so much. But if you put it exactly. in the you know uh, back garden or or something. That's a great way of putting it. Thank yeah. you very much. I feel like I nailed it. So maybe we should uh, say goodbye tonight. <laughs> and uh, I wonder. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I saved it there, didn't I? Um, you absolutely did. Yeah. Great, great. I have one last thing about rice and chaka and um, and Harvard's because I, like we said earlier, maybe parte is gonna go as well. So I have a little fear of mine. Like this mid midfield we had last season with Erdgård, Chaka, Partey. It was mm -hmm. at times the best midfield in the league and 95-90% uh, it was the midfield that played for the league at the top of the table, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you... But... But, maybe I should say. But if you sell two of those three, isn't that too big, uh, too big of... Um, um, starting over. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a risk. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a risk. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you'd said to me a bit like if you'd said would I, we compete for Declan Rice? If you'd said after a really great season where uh, Granite Xhaka and Thomas Party were in the midfield, that you'd just go, you know what? Maybe we'll try playing Champions League football without those two and throw in some other players. It's a risk, but it's a calculated risk, right? And I think. If Rice replaces Party and Havertz replaces Xhaka, and we recognise that we still were a bit short last time at times in, in midfield, then maybe it gives you the freedom to go and buy like a youngster, which is why I think they're looking at Southampton's uh, Lavia mm, yes. um, as an option. But then we also have to remind ourselves, you know, Jorginho is there, El Neni is there. Um, Zinchenko is someone who has the ability to probably play in midfield. Ben White has mm. the ability to play in midfield. Yeah. He's done that when he was at Leeds United. Um, I think, yeah, we must be looking at uh, looking at some of those options. But I think I think Arsenal will probably, depending on... I don't think they're just going to let a party go um, without having a plan. Xhaka, I think, they said, you can go when the Rice deal is mm. done. Yes. And I think Xhaka will happen. I think now what the situation is going to be is... Who do we sell? Why do we make some money back? Take a moment, assess our options. Who's in for party? Can we get someone to come in as 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 you know a long term replacement for him mm -hmm. uh, to 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 provide competition to Declan Rice? If we can do that, they may well go okay. Because look, if they get the money for party that, that kind of is anywhere near what we paid for him, that's an incredible deal. Yes, and we yes. have to remember that Partey's form was not great in the last third of the season, and that for all three seasons he's been at Arsenal, he's struggled with injuries yes. that have affected his form. So, yeah, there's, um, yeah, I, I, I would still be slightly nervous, but I think there are obviously other issues with Partey, mm -hmm. which nobody <clears throat> can talk about, mm -hmm. but you know things that have been spoken about or whispered about. Um, and I think there are other reasons why the club might potentially look to offload him if they can. Yeah. And if they can, you know, park those issues, they'll be pleased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you could see it as, you know, one step back, two steps forward, you know, to replace because, like, yeah, Ch Chuck is 30, Party's 30. Sooner or later, you have to sell them. So maybe. Like you said, now is the best timing with Partey. 
for all yeah. those reasons. Yeah. Best time in Wichaka because his wife paid a double price just to get out of London. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe just one step um, back, yeah. two steps no, forward, I think, if I you think know what I mean. Right. I mean look, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, Xhaka could have gone at any point in the last three years, really. Mm -hmm. We just got to a situation where we're now having to potentially think about replacing both of them at the same time. Yeah. But, and not with bad players, so maybe you should seize exactly. the moment. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. If you can get your first choice midfielder in Declan Rice, I think everyone thinks that Arsenal are going to be stronger, not weaker. Yeah. No matter what happens, I think. One last question, and then I'll let you go, because I've seen we are, I kept you way too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. But one last no, question. No, no. Have we just jinxed Timber and Rice? Uh, if we have, I already jinxed them by writing the drafts for Asbog News, so it's not your fault. Oh, phew. So uh, when the angry listeners came, are coming to me, I just point them at you. Like, he was, he didn't yeah. need first. Great. I get plenty of those people anyway, so that's fine. To be fair, I don't even <laughs> believe in jinxed, but it feels like typical. We sit in here and discuss it for nearly two hours, and then it never yeah. happened. But there you go. Don't worry. This time I think it happens, don't worry. I think so as well. I'm, I'm really, really confident. And I'm, uh, like we started saying in the beginning of the show, exciting times. Exciting times. Exciting I can't times. wait. Maybe we'll check in at some point during the season. and um, I would love that. Can, I would love that. Uh, we can pat each other on the back for being so excited. <laughs> yeah, for, for being so smart as well. Like all the smart <laughs> things we're saying. Uh, all right, uh, Andrew, like I said, I kept you way too long and I'm... I'm really grateful for uh, for having you on. Uh, thank you very, uh, thank you very, uh, very much. Thank you uh, so much for inviting me on, and um, hello to everyone in Sweden. Um, enjoy your summer. See you in Linköping then. That sounds right. Yeah. Great, great, great. Um, all right. Thank you very much. You can follow Andrew uh, on Twitter at. Oh, I forgot your Twitter handle. Sorry. That's right. So, a, a Allen Sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A Allen Sport. It's fair. I mean, Twitter may not exist by the time this goes out. So uh... true. I did a Kim Shells. <laughs> I did a Kim Kellstrom there for a while. I just blacked out. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. And like is uh, scratched on the surface on you also row write for uh, Osblog and Osblog News. So go ahead and check out our Andrew's work there. Andrew, thank you very much again for this evening and for uh, coming on. It meant a lot. Thank you very much and catch you later this season. Sounds good. See you later, mate. That was Andrew Allen from uh, Arsblog News and Arsblog and Time to Times in Arscast. Thanks once again. You can follow him on Twitter at a. Alan Sports. Um, I thought I'd just do a short end part uh, since the buys were so short. So thanks again to Andrew. Thanks so much to everyone who listened to this very long summer episode. But, um, you know, in the summertime, maybe you go for a train uh, vacation somewhere, need something to listen to. Maybe go for a car ride who needs something to listen to maybe on your lawn needs something to listen to maybe you um, what can more can you do in the summertime um, and I realize now by thinking of it this episodes gets episode gets longer 
and longer and longer and longer and longer. Well, uh, here you go, a long summer special episode. And like I said in the beginning, I think this is something I will do uh, as long as I feel like it's every Monday during the summer. Um, maybe not every time in English because my English is sometimes to Swedish, sometimes in uh, English. Uh, thank you very much to Andrew. Thanks very much to everyone listen to this. Uh, please comment on our social media what you thought about it. I know some people think that our podcast already is too long and we're heading towards the two-hour <laughs> mark. So for those people who think our podcast is already too long, maybe you don't listen to this end part because, like I said, it's uh, coming uh, towards two hours So maybe I should stop talking and just say one final thank you to Andrew and thank you to everyone listening to this. Utebi Aguner. Mm-hmm.